welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone, and with me as always is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Artie boy. Hey, Andy boy. <laughs> Andy boy, my favorite brand of lettuce. This episode is sponsored by Andy boy lettuce. <laughs> Folks, we are back in the bunker once Woo! again. Ready to ride. <laughs> there we go. Andy is... Real charged up for this one. Yay! <laughs> Folks, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Thank you for being here. We're glad you're with us. This is the podcast about two guys who are every week abducted by the titular Mr. Bunker, brought to his doomsday bunker, a secret doomsday bunker, and forced to podcast about various conspiracy theories, paranormal activity, and all things bizarre. Yeek! That's the tagline. And Andy, today's a special day, kind of, right? It's, uh... Somewhat of a watershed moment, I would say, for us uh, in this bunker. A watershed moment. Now, hopefully it's not a Watergate moment. <laughs> <laughs> we are being taped, though. <laughs> we're always being recorded down here in the bunker. Uh, we're down here in the bunker, and, uh, you know, every week, listeners, Mr. Bunker, he kidnaps us, he, he abducts mm-hmm. us, and brings mm-hmm. us down here every mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. And pretty recently, we launched our we launched the show. He put it out there into the world. That's his, this is his grand plan is to have us podcast because he's too shy and we need to explain his conspiracy theories to convince all the skeptics of the world and to convince us who we're, we're two, you know, natural skeptics, exceptionally natural skeptics. And we launched the show and we have exceptional bodies and exceptional minds. <laughs> yeah. I've been told for a lot of years we're that Adonis's basically. everything about my health and uh, personality and mental state is not what should be considered normal. <laughs> and you take that to mean that That's you're a compliment. You're way above the bell curve. Right. <laughs> I broke the mold. <laughs> you broke it all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, we launched the show pretty recently and we've been very happy with it. And Bunker has been really pleased with it. And... To celebrate, he brought us two ice-cold, refreshing green rivers, which we have here in the bunker uh, to enjoy. So, look, if you're sipping. If you're listening uh, from from outside of the Chicago area, uh, which I I am I'm not from the Chicago area my whole life, uh, Green River is a local soda, a lemon-lime, and it is, um, okay, it's neon green. It is it's, a neon green soda. We posted a picture of it on Twitter. So if you ever want to see, or you can just Google it. You have the technology. How are you listening to this podcast if you can't Google Green River? <laughs> uh, Andy, on the back of the bottle, it says Chicago Original. And it's mm-hmm. got a picture of the Chicago flag. Oh, like us on Facebook. Go to the Green Ooh. River Facebook page and give them a like. Hashtag Green River Soda. I should have used that hashtag. I didn't wow. even realize that. Rich in history, as Prohibition was established in 1919, Green River Soda was introduced to the world. The lime-based soda, with its vivid green color, was an immediate hit. Today, we celebrate Green River's rich history. www.greenriversoda.com The original. The original. Cheers, Andy. So, listeners, today's a bit of a celebration for us, but... um, Andy, probably not a celebration for our families. Would you say that? Because we got abducted again? Yeah, because we got abducted again. <laughs> we got abducted again. Yeah, yeah. Once again, we're down yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, we're back in the bunker, so, you know, I don't know. It's probably my family's not so 
upset to get an afternoon off. Has me. your wife talked to you at all about this? How you disappear for hours on Sunday and she has, but she understands that it's an abduction <laughs> and she, she just kind of figures that it's just part of your your thing and you know that you you're just a big dumb idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's she's already come to that conclusion that I'm a big dumb idiot. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been married long enough now that she probably right. she's, she knows what she hitched her wagon. She's to. aware. <laughs> she she knows at this point that this is what it is. I am who I am. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. That's right. We have Popeye with us in the bunker, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and his his vivid green spinach matches our uh, beautiful green rivers. Our verdant soda. <laughs> There's your vocab word of the day. Um, Andy, hit me with... You my best shot? Hit me with your best shot. Pat Penitarmi. Uh Tell us, Andy. Tell us and the listeners, how did Bunker get you today? <laughs> um, well, Art, you know this. Listeners don't know this. Maybe they do know this. I think I might have mentioned it before. I am a redline writer. That's right. And On the Chicago Transit Authority. Yes, here in Chicago, we have a public, a massive public transit system, mm-hmm. and there's multiple different trains, and they're all colored. So there's a red one, there's a blue one. What? They all have different colors. Yeah. Don't give me that face. They... <laughs> okay, I get how it sounded, but they have different colors. Each, 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 each line of the train is represented by a different color. Red, okay. blue. That's a, probably a better way to say it. Purple, brown, orange, right. green, pink. And they all go to different areas of the city. So if you're not familiar, you know, the red line, it, go, it runs from the most, the northernmost point of the city, of the city limits, to the southernmost point of the city limits. It just runs north to south, 24 hours a day, well, seven days a week. It doesn't actually run to the southernmost point of the city limits. Okay, well, I mean, it goes pretty damn far. It goes to 95th. And they're going to expand it. They're they're to go expanding to, it. What 130th? Yeah, something like that. But it could still go further. Okay, so it doesn't go to the city limits, but it goes to like, it goes to the northern edge. Come on, I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so for the listeners who aren't a part of the who aren't in Chicago and don't understand our transit system, the, that's the red line. It's a it's a large north south. It collects a lot of different people. It goes through a lot of different neighborhoods. Um, and because it runs 24 hours a day, it tends to, it, it doesn't tend to be the most, what would you say? Like, it's not, it's very commuter friendly if you're going during rush hour, but you know, it, 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 it sometimes has its issues. Sure. It can smell. <laughs> yeah. Some, I mean, okay. It's a lot of urine. Yes. Sometimes feces. Yes. Sometimes vomit. You can look up, there's a lot of different stories about things that have happened on the Chicago Red Line. For example, uh, the goddess of the Red Line. Oh, yeah. You remember that story? I remember that. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a woman who aborted the train uh, fully nude and decided to fling her feces at passengers because uh, she was the goddess of the train. You said that she aborted... But it sounded, I did not say aborted. It, well, it I sounded, said boarded. It's you said uh, and then you said boarded, and it sounded like you said aborted. <laughs> she aborted the train. Yeah, she aborted the train. I'm Italian. That's how I talk. Oh, Andy. I get it. I'm sorry. You know this about me. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry to cut <clears throat> you off. Just yeah. wanted to give the listeners a little background on our transit system, so they kind of. I wasn't a personal witness to the goddess of the red line, by the right. way. You were the goddess of the red line. 
I finally got out of jail. <laughs> um, so I'm a red line writer. And as you said, Art, red line is pretty popular for commuters. That's right. And so at rush hour, it tends to get pretty crowded. That's right. So, you know, not every day you can find a seat. And what I like to do is there's a part of the train, which I stole this term from you, I call the train cave, which is where in the car, I don't ever go to the very first car. Right. But it's the part, every car has one. Right. It's the part where the conductor would be if it were the very front car. Yeah, it's like a little... um it's where all the controls are, and right. there's like a cabinet for the conductor but stuff. But that door is always locked. Yeah. There's and a, you can kind of go to the left side where right. there's like a window and a little ledge. It just where, has the door control. It doesn't have right. the like actual train control. And the door control doesn't function. It's locked. Obviously. You can't use yeah. it. But I usually go back there to hang out. <clears throat> and like you said, usually on the other side, the door is locked. So you cannot get into that section. Well, ho <laughs> In a crowded train, I notice, hey, this door over here is slightly ajar. Oh, boy. So I think, why not? Let me just sneak in here. I'm going to have extra room. This will be nice. So I slip into this part of the train cave where the conductor would normally be. Right. And the normally locked door immediately shuts and locks behind me. Uh-oh. And the control panel... Suddenly comes alive. Oh, no. It was Bunker. Uh, he was the control panel? Yeah, he dressed up like the control panel. <laughs> so he beeped and booped? Well, <laughs> it was not on. It was it was not functioning. So it was just a darkened control panel. <laughs> An okay. unanimated control panel. And then it suddenly anthropomorphized, and it was Bunker. Wow. So then he whacked me with a frozen pork tenderloin, oh. unconscious. And when I woke up, I was in the Bunker. Is that is that why you smell like raw meat? <laughs> I thought that was just kind of partly, a thing. Partly. <laughs> Frozen pork tenderloin. Partly. Wow. I smelled like raw meat before. <laughs> Jeez, Andy. That is your head okay? Oh yeah, it's fine. Do you need to go over to the little medical wing that we have here in the bunker? You mean that first aid kit underneath the sink? <laughs> the medical wing. Uh no, I'll be okay. <laughs> All right. But Art, <laughs> thank you for your concern. Well, you know. I try. Art, I got to ask, though. Okay. You're here, too. I'm here, too. What the heck's up with that, dude? What the heck? What the heck's up with that, dude? It hey, sounded what? like you said the text. What happened? What the text up with that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas. Andy, I'll tell you. Uh, mine is rich. My story is rich because I got coin-starred. He coin-starred me. <laughs> he he coin-starred me. He put you into a giant glass jar? <laughs> Coin starred me. He didn't coin me. He coin starred me. Let me tell you. You heard <laughs> okay, of these coin star to... machines? Yeah, I've, you know what they I've are. Heard of it? Yeah. Listeners, if you don't know what a coin star is, it's essentially it's actually kind of a genius idea. It's a it's a machine. You typically see them in grocery stores, supermarkets. Yeah. After you exit, and you can give the machine <clears throat> your change. It will count it all up, tally it all up for you, take a nominal fee off the top, shave a little bit off the top for the convenience, and it'll give you bills. It'll give you money. Um, paper money. And, um, so I was walking by this coin star machine and, uh, you know, I was just kind of walked up to it cause I was like, you know, I wonder how much money they take off the top. I got a lot of loose change. I've got a big cup of loose change at my desk at home. And, uh, 
you know, I should get rid of that and just get some paper money or something. And all of a sudden, you know what? Little fucking arms sprout off the side and it grew little legs. It's fucking Bunker. Wow. He coin starred me. <laughs> he fucking, I... he spit a bunch of loose change in my mouth. Dumped me in the machine. Wow. You know how much I'm worth? Well, you were the change. About tree fitty. <laughs> That's right. We've got the... He spit loose change in my mouth <laughs> and then dumped me in the machine. Machine counted me up. Just you? Yep. And they took me. And then the whole thing was full of change, too. It hurt. Yeah. So I was getting whacked in the head with pennies like I was a freshman. Wait. So so he didn't just dress up like the machine. He, like, strapped a machine to his person. He was, he was like, imagine a mascot at a baseball game. You know how they have human arms? Yeah. That was him, but it was he was a machine. He was the Coinstar machine. So his arms were outside the machine. His legs were outside the machine. He could walk. Right. But he was a fully functioning Coinstar machine. So he just... He, and he spit loose change he, So in my he mouth. drilled arm and leg holes into a functioning Coinstar. I don't understand how he makes his costumes, but yeah, that would be my first guess is wow. he just used a regular Coinstar machine. <laughs> This week was probably the most elaborate thus far uh, for mean, both of our cases. He coin-starred me. What are you going to do? I've never, well. Spat loose change in my mouth. You know, and honestly, uh, okay, mine was a mine was a real bait and switch situation. That's right. And that's, that's his kind of normal tactic. He took a real chance with you. You could have just not thought about that coin That's star. true. He would have had to have had uh, some kind of backup. Then I mean, you, maybe he could have chased then, me down. Yeah, then you would have just, just been getting at me. chased by a coin star machine. Jeez, can you imagine if you ended up on World Star being chased by a coin star? <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. You'd be a star. Yeah. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Go ahead, Art. Let's, uh, listeners, you know, we, we always try to... We want to get you the whole enchilada. Here. We want to give you the whole enchilada, and obviously our pain is your pleasure. <laughs> Hang on, Andy. All we right. want to we, we tell you these abduction stories every week because it, it helps us pass the time, and it helps us feel better about how we get duped. Um, but we do, we want to give you the whole enchilada, listeners. We want to tell you about the research and uh, get into it. So uh, let's not waste any more time here, Andy. Today's topic is very spooky. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's sad. It's a sad topic. I mean, we're celebrating today. We've got our Green Rivers. We've got um, our fun abduction stories, but this is a sad story. It's it's we're we're discussing Dietlov Pass, the the incident at Dietlov Pass. Um, Andy, did you know anything about this incident before you came down here to the bunker? I had no idea. I never, never heard, heard of, of this it. before. Yeah, um, I think I was the same. This is this is not. There is some conspiracy to it, but it's a little bit more just kind of a paranormal and. Frankly, very sad story. It makes me sad. Yeah, but um, you know, obviously we'll 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 talk about it. And we'll get into it. Andy, are you much of a uh, you much of a hiker or a skier? No, I've never been skiing. Wow, I've went once. I was actually somewhat. I was okay at it. Yeah, and it was okay. It was fun. Okay, I'd go again. I would go again. But this is uh, this is to the extreme. This is a situation where in 1959, there were nine students. Well, technically 10, but we'll get into it. They, uh, they, these guys were expert hikers. Um, they, they were like grade. I forget. They, there's a grading system. These guys were like grade two. And if they had completed this passage, they would have been grade three. And um, it's very sad what befell them. Um, 
really tragic. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, Andy, there's not much more to say. We should just get into it, huh? We should just, we should just lay it out there. Let's strap on our, our packs. Let's get our walking sticks. Let's get our skis, our hats, our gloves, our, our jackets. Pants. Our Gotta have pants. And uh, let's trek out there into the unknown. Let's get out there into the snow. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> this is Get Love Pass. Andy, it's a cold February winter in Soviet Russia. Near the Ural Mountains, nine students comprised of expert hikers and skiers, led by Igor Dietlov, decide to make an expedition deep into the area and hike the foreboding Kolat Siakil Mountain, uh, otherwise known as the Mountain of the Dead Yeesh. by the indigenous peoples. Creepy. They begin their journey on February 1st through the mountain pass. They never return. Art, 20 days go by, and there's no word from the hikers. Their families demand a rescue mission. Six days later, the very first rescue teams make contact with the remains of the students' expedition. Their abandoned and damaged tent was found. Buried in the snow and torn from its standings, it was empty except for the group's shoes and belongings left untouched in the disarray. Stranger still, the tent had been slashed open, Art, from the inside. In a patch of frozen ground near the tent were eight or nine footprints, left from someone wearing only socks or a single shoe, even barefoot. Following the footprints, the rescue team were led down the slope of the Colat Siekel to a nearby forest. At its edge, they found the remains of a small fire, and then they found the first two bodies. They were festooned in frost and frozen in time. They were shoeless, wearing very little clothing, and they were only in light shirts in their underwear. Up in a nearby pine tree, as if someone had climbed it, the branches were broken up to five meters high. Maybe one of the students desperately climbed the tree searching for something. Maybe camp, looking out in the pitch-cold black of night. Between the camp and the tree, the rescue team found three more corpses. They died in poses that suggested they were attempting or struggling to return to the tent. The remaining four bodies were not discovered for over two months. On May 4th, under four meters of snow in a ravine, the final four bodies were found. About 75 meters further into the woods from a pine tree. Three of those four were better dressed than the others, meaning those who died first had their clothes relinquished to the others. One was wearing the burned, torn trousers of another and was also wrapped in a torn jacket. So what befell these unfortunate hikers? What could have caused them to rush out into a frigid blizzard in the middle of the night, unclothed and frightened? Was there a malfunction with their equipment? Did someone or something chase them from their camp? Or maybe Mother Nature herself lived up to the name 
Death Mountain. All right, Andy, let's take a step back here. Let's list out all the facts for the listeners, and then afterwards we'll dive into each theory on the disappearances. So let's discuss the facts surrounding the corpses of the hikers. All right. So the first five corpses, which were those undressed near the tree and those farther from the tree struggling to return to the tent, according to the coroner, all five of these folks died of hypothermia. But the three bodies in the ravine add to the mystique of this story. They were found with fatal injuries. One had a fractured skull, two had fractured multiple ribs and suffered massive internal bleeding. The medical examiner described it as comparable to a car crash. Furthermore, the injuries were sustained while they were alive and were not inflicted by another person. Still weirder, two of the bodies were found with their eyes gouged out. One was found with its tongue missing as well as parts of the lips and nose. So that's getting pretty weird. But it doesn't end there. Let's unpack the evidence found near the campsite. So as we said before, the footprints near the campsite show the students leaving on their own accord. Okay, there was no sign of a struggle, and the the footprints show them leaving in an orderly pace down the slope. They weren't running. Um, It it looked like they just were walking in a normal pace. The tents were slashed open from the inside, and... Three pieces of clothing left behind by the students as they, you know, rushed out into the cold winter's night were highly irradiated. Okay. And there's a few more facts, though, that we still need to discuss. First off, let's talk about everybody's favorite breakfast table topic, putrefraction and body decomposition. I can't talk about enough. (laughs) You can't get enough of it. It is delightful. Many assume that the missing eyes and tongue found on the three bodies in the ravine were due to animals or someone or something removing them. More than likely, though, it's due to the fact that these bodies were found in May and the melting snow caused the removal of soft tissue post-mortem. Also, funeral goers after the bodies were exhumed notice a strange orange hue to their skin and gray hair on a few of the bodies. This is evidence so to speak, for a couple of theories we'll get into later. But the scientific answer is that this is normal with the mummification process as the bodies were essentially mummified in the frozen tundra. Okay, well, nevertheless, Andy, this is a very weird and bizarre scenario, right? We have a definite mystery on our hands and the investigators back in 1959 felt no different. The final verdict on the cause of death was an unknown compelling force which the hikers were unable to overcome. Now, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) What exactly happened to the nine students climbing the mountain of death? Who or what tragically ended their young lives? So using the hikers' diary entries, recovered photographs taken during their trip, and all the evidence we just discussed of the aftermath, many theories have been formed. So let's break down each one. Okay. So for most... An avalanche seems to be the most obvious conclusion as to what killed the hikers. Where there is snowy mountain peaks, there is bound to be an avalanche. At least that's what most movies and TV teach us. Those who believe the avalanche scenario figure that a large avalanche covered their tents. The hikers attempted to escape, cutting open their tents from the inside. They all rushed out barely dressed as the avalanche overtook them in the middle of the night while they slept. They headed for the forest, which would provide protection from the crashing snowfall. 
Some attempted to build a fire, climb a tree. A few others, lost in the pitch black of night, fell into a ravine to their deaths. The rest die of hypothermia. Case closed. Well, except not really, Andy. While the avalanche theory is the most obvious first conclusion, there are some glaring inconsistencies. Namely, that there are no signs of an avalanche taking place. See, an avalanche would have caused a very specific debris pattern. There would have been damage to the tree line of the forest, and it would have covered the frozen bodies and swept away the others much deeper into the forest. In fact, over 100 expeditions have taken place in the same area as the initial nine, and not a single one reported conditions that would create an avalanche. On top of all that, if a freak avalanche did occur, because freak accidents do happen, it would have crushed the tent horizontally rather than laterally, which is how it was found. Also, if there was an avalanche, why would the hikers walk down the slope in an orderly manner instead of, you know, run for their lives? Okay, good questions. So an avalanche didn't happen, right? Well, well, okay. Okay. No, but also maybe, uh, maybe, right? Maybe. A follow-up investigation in 2015 found some evidence previously misrepresented by the initial search. First of all, it was a lot colder than they initially thought, like negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit, cold with strong winds and frost. The 2015 investigation proposes that all throughout their hike, there was fresh snowfall. The hikers setting up camp on the slope and hiking caused the snowbed to loosen. And during the night, it collapses on the tent. The hikers evacuate in a panic, possibly perceiving an avalanche, and the rest follows the tragic story we've laid out thus far. Listeners, we can't stress enough why this place is called Death Mountain. One theory is that a catabatic wind uh, was to blame for the hikers' demise. Catabatic winds are when the wind carries high-density air down a slope under the force of gravity. And some of these winds can rush down at hurricane speeds. So some theorists believe that a sudden freak catabatic wind came down as, you know, the typography of this mountain was noted as being similar to ones where catabatic winds are seen, right? And the, na- and the hikers were forced to leave the tent, um, but the mystery still unfolds in a similar manner as the avalanche. This is just a different means to the same unfortunate end. All right, so uh, piggy, piggybacking off of the the wind idea, uh, let's talk about infrasounds. Donnie Icar, who wrote the book on the incident titled Death Mountain, posits that the winds around the mountain created by a Carmen Vortex street which are essentially repeating patterns of swirling vortices that caused infrasounds. These infrasounds are low-level frequencies capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. So the swirling, howling vortex winds cause extreme distress in the hikers, and they flee their tent by any means necessary, and the story once again plays out the same as before. Rush to the forest, campfire, ravine. So in a similar sense, Andy, a paradoxical undressing caused by hypothermia could have caused the panic. It's undisputed that six of the hikers died from hypothermia. Paradoxical undressing is a symptom of hypothermia in which the subject removes their clothes in response to perceived feelings of extreme warmth. Right. But, uh, okay. So, enough Mother Nature. Enough. Enough. Time to put the conspiracy into this conspiracy theory. That's right. And this is ripe with conspiracy. It stinks. (laughs) 
Soviet-era military testing, okay? Some say the military, the Soviet military, were testing parachute mines in the area or other radiological weapons and covered up the incident. There are records of military testing in the area the hikers were at. Parachute mines were common in World War II era bombardments that were dropped by aircraft and detonated before they hit the ground. They caused very similar injuries to the ones seen in the hikers, namely internal injuries without external damage. It could also explain why some of the clothing found on the bodies was badly burned. So could shell shock and Soviet bombardments be to blame for the death of the hikers? Some residents of villages near the area report seeing orange, strange orange orbs floating in the sky or, or falling in the sky. Could this have been potential military aircraft and um, dropping bombs? And what about radiation? Three articles of clothing were found with significant traces of radiation and the strange orange hue to the corpses. Could this have been the USSR testing radiological weapons? Possibly. But that doesn't explain why only some of the bodies possess the strange orange hue and only three of the articles of clothing possess radiation. But more importantly, did the military cover up the incident? So some speculate that the bodies were unnaturally manipulated due to liver, liver mortis and burns to the hair and skin. Also, photographs of the tent allegedly show it as erected incorrectly, something hikers as experienced as this group would have never done. Also, after the investigation ceased in May 1959, the USSR sent the reports to a secret archive where they were not released until the 1990s. This, however, was standard practice for all domestic affairs in Soviet Russia. But let's add just a pinch more mystery to our conspiracy pie, and it's going to taste real nice. <laughs> Lev Ivanov, who led the initial investigation in 1959, published an article in 1990 stating that their investigation team had no rational explanation for the events and that he saw flying spears. Spheres. Not spears. Spheres. He was told to dismiss these claims by high-ranking officials. All right. And where would any great conspiracy theory be without pseudoscience? Here we go, baby. Let's talk about Yeti and okay, aliens. let's do it. Some believe a Russian Yeti attacked the camp. They think only a beast with, with this immense strength could have caused the injuries to the hikers and struck fear in their hearts enough for them to run out of their tents in the middle of a blizzard. Unfortunately, there is zero recorded evidence to support these claims. But could it be aliens? As we mentioned, there were reports of strange floating orbs in the area and a cryptic eerie photograph. The last photo taken on a camera recovered at the campsite shows three flashing lights amongst a pitch black background. Could this have been a UFO? Strange circumstances to be sure, Art. But stranger than all that is that a YouTuber named Lemino, Lemino, either one, yeah, <laughs> however you want to say it, may have uncovered the most convincing theory of all. Before you roll your eyes at the thought of some random YouTuber, this guy has thoroughly researched the incident and even had the original Russian reports translated to English, all of which is published on their website that we will link to. So we like it, but I mean, you decide for yourself. That's right. Lemino, while looking through the photographs exported from the hiker's camera, noticed a makeshift stove used by the group. 
you can clearly see an exhaust pipe sticking out of the tent in one of the photographs. This is further corroborated by the fact that the hikers had remnants of fried food in their stomachs. So Lemino believes that during that fateful night, the wind howling outside, the temperatures dropping to negative 40, something went wrong with this portable stove. Maybe the embers didn't completely extinguish. Maybe the hikers in their documented intoxication did something to cause the tent to fill with smoke. So the hikers obviously wanted to exit the tent as quickly as possible. And that's why they slashed it open. They stumble into the sub-zero temperatures, dazed and confused and struggling to breathe from the smoke. In their panic and drunkenness, some may have forgotten their clothing. Once outside, they decide to orderly make their way down the slope to the forest to set up an alternative camp and wait out the night. And the rest is history. Lemino's theory also explains why some of the clothing appeared burnt. Could this have been from desperately trying to make a fire at the forest edge? Or was it from the makeshift stove? What about the radioactive clothing, you might be asking? Lemino uncovered evidence that the three articles of clothing belonging to the two of the hikers who had previously worked in areas where they would be exposed to radiation. These were, after all, students of the Ural Polytechnical Institute. Does the mystery of what happened at Dietlov Pass end here? Recently, as of February 2019, the Russian government is reopening its investigation into the incident. However, no criminal explanations will be used. Only natural disasters, such as the avalanche theory, will be investigated. We may never know what truly happened on Dietlov's Pass. The mysterious incident almost dwarfs the mountain of death itself. And perhaps... This is a case of Mother Nature living up to her name. Or, perhaps, this incident is just as deadly for some officials as the mountain itself. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Art and Andy. Hey, listeners. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. So if you feel so inclined... Feel free to email us at mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Send us your your feedback. Send us comments. Send us questions. Send us stories about – send us conspiracy theories that you want us to um, talk about on the show. Right, Andy? Yeah, right. Um, if you don't like email, hit us up on Twitter at mrbunkerpod. That's right. Tweet at us. Tweet us your live reactions to the podcast as you That's, listen to it. Yeah. Tweet us your personal feelings about anything. Really? Uh, or anything that's covered in the podcast. Uh, that's true. Tweet at us uh, photos of your last vacation. Tweet at us <laughs> whatever you feel like. We'd love to interact with you. 
We love interaction. And speaking of which, if you're in, you've been enjoying the show, uh, we truly appreciate it. And Thank Mr. you for listening. Bunker truly appreciates it. If you feel so inclined, and I know a lot of podcasts say this, but it truly does help us out, leave us a review. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Even if you hate it. Even if you hate it. I mean, preferably you'll like it, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, fair is fair. If fair you is, hate it, you hate it. And right. I'm not going to judge your reaction to that. <laughs> but especially, I mean, if you forget to rate it and you hate it, that's okay. You don't have to rate it if you hate it. But if you love it, rate it. Rate we it. would That would be great. <laughs> it would be great. It truly helps us out. And you know what? Let's not take up any more of your time. Let's get back into all that hard-hitting action on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Thanks, listeners. Bye-bye. And we are back. Welcome back. That Thanks was for sticking our with us. script portion or research portion of Dietlovpes. The incident Dietlovpes. That's a good portion of the enchilada, but it's not the whole enchilada. Not the whole enchilada. We gotta we gotta discuss what we found and what bunker wants to convince us of. Right. Andy, this is a tragic story. It's sad. It's sad. It's really sad. You got nine, well, technically, and this was not covered in the research, but it's pretty common knowledge. There's actually 10 students mm-hmm. that went out to do this, but one got sick, like really sick halfway there. He turned around and went home. Right. Um, And it's really sad. And then his nine of his friends then never made it home. And he also died from his sickness. No. I don't know if that's no, not. that's not true at all. He he died like much later, and he was like seventy five years old. No, he lived no. a long life. He died from a sickness. It just took a long time. It's really tragic. Oh, Every, everyone connected to this died. <laughs> um, it's a tragic story, man. It's like young people camping, and then some. God damn! Just like the way they, it's got to be the worst fucking way to go. One of the worst ways to go. Hypothermia would be terrible. Just. Freezing to death. I mean, if I, uh, like, I'm I'm the type of person, I say this a lot. I say I'd rather be too cold than too hot. Because you can always put on more clothes. That's true. You can't take more clothes off. That's true. All the time. So I've tried. <laughs> believe me. But uh, hypothermia sounds, sounds awful. Oh, God. I mean, I've never experienced it, obviously. <laughs> um, however, I think it's almost like, after a while, I think, right, like you just, your brain kind of takes over and right. you, I think you like, you pass out probably before you suffer any, any more, right? Right. You hit that. It's one of those, those things. You hit that point where you start shutting systems down. Yeah. And to give you listeners an idea of how fucking cold it was out there, we've experienced that level of cold before. I mean, maybe, okay, maybe not this, but kind of the same, right? Like. Just recently, this past winter in Chicago, it was colder here in in parts of Chicago than it was in certain parts of Antarctica. Yeah. It was negative 40 degrees with like 20, 30 mile an hour winds and a wind chill. Yeah. It was fucking cold. Yeah. I mean, to give you listeners an an idea, I live in a modern house and the inside of, with a furnace running and the inside of my door hinges were frozen like, there was frost building up on the insides of my door hinges. That's how fucking cold it is. I had frost on the inside of my windows. You went out in it, didn't you? I went to work. What? The day after the coldest oh, day. Oh, it was... It was still really cold. It was still really cold. 
But you went out on that Wednesday because it was a Wednesday. I, right? I took my trash out. Yeah. And it's the kind of cold that your eyes freeze shut. Yeah. I mean, Did I just we... walked to the dumpster and, and back and... And that's that where you, that's your normal hangout, right? Yeah. I normally am back in the alley in the dumpster. It's <laughs> your piece of trash. I'm a trash man. <laughs> your piece of human trash. <laughs> I'm a piece of human garbage. <laughs> but like, I, I can't get across enough how fucking cold it is. Like, it's just so cold. It's very cold. Um, And this was negative 40, obviously. Yes. Which is, I mean, it's one thing to, uh, it's one thing to be to like walk between warm locations. Yes. And negative 40. It's another thing to camp out in it. Yes. And this is in 1959. Right. When the thing that warms you is, I don't know what they were wearing. If it was like, I imagine, I mean, 1959, they had probably some synthetic materials, right? They probably had like pretty warm clothing and stuff available. I would think furs. Sure. Um, but synthetic materials too, I believe. I mean, you know, um, but you're in a, you're in a little, like a fucking, a, a nine person tent. Yeah. Uh, if they had this portable stove, that would have been nice. But like, what is that doing? You know, the wind is howling outside. Yeah. Um, I mean, this tent, this tent I'm sure is not completely immune from the wind. These are also Northern Ruskies. So these guys, these, you know, these guys are used to the cold. I mean, they're probably um, hardy. Yeah. I mean, sure. this is like this isn't like somebody from Florida or something or California experiencing the cold for like the first time. These are these are people who have grown up in the cold. They're used to the cold. They hike a lot, so yeah, they get a little bit of of an advantage there. But still, still, it's so cold. It's it's so cold that even if you say this is not that bad, yeah, you could still get like your skin could get burned from the wind. That's right. Even if you don't feel it, it just is happening. It's like when you get a sunburn at the yeah, you have no idea. Beach. Yeah. You can be like, oh, it's, it's this is fine. But then later on, you I realize, feel great. You realize that your skin is is completely seared off. Yeah, that's what happens when you go out in the sun. Your skin melts <laughs> off. It yeah, sears. Just, yeah, it's like uh, it's like uh, <laughs> like a fond. <laughs> yeah. crust forms yeah i it's like i'm Your like towel. a i'm like a fondue pot basically <laughs> get me out in the sun and i just like get creamy and drip <laughs> everywhere you look like pizza the hut yeah 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 it's a good pretty good proxy for me <laughs> um well andy what, what else do you what else do you make of what else do you make of this story there's a lot of different theories r- running around obviously yeah. People have, <laughs> people love that Yeti. Oh man, I wish Ooh, it was the Yeti. People love a Yeti. It would be neat, right? Like, the, <laughs> oh, it turns out, yeah, this actually probably was a Yeti. <laughs> yeah. But obviously it wasn't going to be the Yeti. Oh, there's no. We don't even need, there's no even like evidence that the Yeti exists at all, let alone that the Yeti came to this camp and killed these people. And you know, obviously some uh, like UK Discovery Channel show, mm-hmm. you know how the Discovery Channel and the History Channel have all these shows now where it's like. Like Finding Bigfoot yes, and stuff. They tried to hunt the Yeti and you can look up an episode of it online and it's so like it's so fucking bad it's so obviously they're acting yeah the two people who are like yeah there was definitely something there and they like they find a yeti nest in a cave it's like oh my god who who had to put together a yeti what does a (laughs) yeti nest look like uh it's full of jack link's beef jerky 
<laughs> that fucking that clever little yeti. Uh, that sassy little yeti. That sassy yeti. Ooh, ooh, it's got all these it's got all these mugs that keep your drinks hot or cold. <laughs> Yeah. He's got Jacklings beef jerky. He's got <laughs> he's got Yeti uh, like coolers. He's, he's, got, he's got blue Yeti microphones. He's got freaking <laughs> chai tea hot as it came right off the stovetop. And it's been there for an hour and a half. That's fucking Yeti, man. Yeti nest. Um yeah, there I'm sorry, like the Yeti did not happen, unfortunately. There might be a Russian Yeti out there somewhere. That might be another episode that we'll do on cryptozoology or something. But right. for this story, no. A Yeti did not. The Yeti, I mean we can safely say We can conclude the Yeti yes. did not get involved. Yes. Uh Yeti aliens. steered clear of this one. He was like, Death Mountain? <laughs> I'm not going over there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got this nice nest. Uh, you see my fucking nest? I'm going to stay in my cave. I'm still paying this fucking thing off. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Come on. I got a 30-year loan. Ooh. You try living out here in the middle of the fucking Russian tundra trying to find a mate. Do you know how hard it is? Do you know how many yetis there are? <laughs> and look, I've got high standards. <laughs> I don't think I should have to settle. I think this yeti might be an incel. I bring a lot to the table. This Yeti might be an incel. This, this Yeti's like this a fucking is, nice guy. Mm, mm, <laughs> like yeah. incel nice yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I don't understand. There's a reason. Female Yeti alone. doesn't want in a loving, charming, handsome, uh, sensitive, but also very masculine Yeti such as myself. I just don't see what they don't see in me. Um, look, Yeti, if you're listening... <laughs> There's a reason you're single. Yeah. Email us. <laughs> we'll be in touch. We'll help you. <laughs> we'll make you into a real Yeti. We'll get you laid. We'll we'll help you yet. E. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. So what about aliens? What about aliens? Uh, uh not real solid on this one. People nah. were just kind of like, eh, there were orbs. Probably aliens. Yeah, what would, why would the aliens be? Beat the shit out of their bodies and leave them. It's not the usual alien mo to right. to cause so much uh, physical abuse to the body of a human, right? And I think it would be different if we never found the bodies. Yeah, like they're just gone forever. If the whole campsite completely disappeared and yeah. they never found them, then maybe aliens would be like, hmm, well, maybe they got abducted. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot more of it. And I think once you start looking into the military testing portion of it, which, you know, we can we can jump into that. Um, yeah, let's go there. Uh, I think that's a lot stronger. You've got, this sure. is Cold War era Soviet Union. This is the space race. You know, this is military testing. Of course, there, there's reports, there's confirmed reports of, of the Soviets testing weapons and testing rockets. And there was like a, um, there was a rocket, testing facility and a nuclear weapon testing facility not too far this is like way up north in the russian fucking like tundra of course this is where they're testing all this secret shit right so who the fuck wants to ever go there it's just sorry it's it's, it's just like in 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 the u.s right. when the military tested stuff in like the the salt flats yeah the Akali salt flats no one's in going Nevada. out there. it's they, they expect that nobody's there so if somebody were happened to be hiking, right? Like they could inadvertently get in the middle of a military test. The military right. just didn't know they were there. Right. So, I mean, 
it doesn't seem so unreasonable to say that no. Soviets were probably testing stuff there in that general area be- yeah. before. And maybe this was just an unfortunate happenstance. Yeah, and you, you see these floating orbs that could be parts of a rocket leaving orbit or leaving mm-hmm. the atmosphere, entering the atmosphere. They could be parts of a bomb test going up, going down. You know, of course, you're going to see weird orbs and shit out in the night. Um, and, you know... It, this is in the middle of a winter storm and we've been a part of winter storms walking through the wind. Like, you know how hard it is to see shit. Yeah. And we have like street lights and modern technology and shit. And there's porch lights. Cause you're walking through all these residential areas. You're walking in the middle of nowhere. It's so dark. You can see the stars. Um, all you have is the moonlight. I mean, you're not like, everything is going to look like weird, blurry orbs your your eyes are frozen shut there's snow all over your eyelashes you're wet um you're gonna be seeing weird shit constantly all right have you ever been no (laughs) well i have no what is it (laughs) all right have you ever been um somewhere that's very rural when it's a cloudy night and there's no electricity i don't think so so, you know me, I grew up in a rural part. You grew up in uh, rural Ohio. Right. And uh, once during um, a thunderstorm, the power went out and I was outside. I mean, it wasn't like raining and lightning, but there was lots of cloud cover. Playing with your... I was out hoop, with... Hoop and stick. I was... Your favorite I was, game. I was outside <laughs> with my golf clubs, uh, <laughs> just stacking them as high as I could end on end. Uh, what? And shambling up the top. Oh, you're building a stairway to heaven? Yeah. And, but it was, there was lots of cloud cover. So the moon and the stars aren't a factor. Right. So they're completely gone. There's your light which, source. In a winter store, in a winter storm, like you can assume, there's probably enough cloud cover that the, the moon and the stars aren't a factor. Right. It gets so dark that it's hard if your hand is like a foot away from your face, it's hard to even see it. Yeah. Because, it's like being in a cave. Yeah. Cause there's just no, ambient light yeah when the power goes out i mean in the city it's like if the power goes out one spot there's plenty of other light unless the whole city were to go out right you know you you have ambient light i mean even when it's just a block it gets still like if you walk down a block that's pretty residential here and, and and the light is out the power is out um on that just that one block even that can be Pretty like you, you can't people can sneak up on you real easily. There's shadows everywhere. Yeah, um, it's disorienting. Yeah, so I don't blame you know I don't blame people for having these weird orbs. I bet they probably exist. I bet you saw lots of weird shit. Sure, I don't doubt it at all. Um, it just it's that it's the thing of like you you had an experience, but what was it really? Did the military do? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of Soviet mo, right? Cover it up. They didn't want people to know about this testing. Uh, let's cover it up. Let's do something to it. But I feel like the Soviet MO is is cover everything up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little weird that the lead investigator w- was like, but at the same time, like he, they probably didn't want him saying stuff about the spheres because right. they were testing some weird shit. At the time, it was probably very confidential. Right. And if they did wander into some military test inadvertently they sure wouldn't have wanted this investigator to reveal all that to the public because obviously then it would have been fodder globally 
Right. And everyone would have known whatever the Soviets were testing. I mean, if it was more routine stuff. Right. That was, they were just, I don't know why you would test it, but it probably wouldn't have mattered. But in some sense, this was, it could have been strategic. Right. Do you think that the Soviet test weapons that maybe the the weapons they were testing caused the snowfall? Like, like it was a weather weapon? No, not a weather weapon. Oh. Um, oh, you mean just the the fallen snow to... Well, yeah, like... Soften. So the avalanche theory is debunked right. because an avalanche is a super destructive force. Right. Um, it doesn't but, make sense that there would right. be like... What, what, what they think happened is like the snow bed loosened and just a like a, a significant amount of snow kind of slid down and they mistook some, it for, a, right. for an avalanche or they just enough snow covered hit their tent and kind of deshambled it and they were like fuck let's move to the forest in case an avalanche happens or something right? right like but do you think that maybe the weapons testing is what caused that small bit of snow to fall it's an interesting idea, right? It's an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I don't think that it's, you know, in the bag. Does it seem possible? Yeah, I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility. That there was, if there was some explosion, it loosens the snowbed. Some of it slides down, even though they weren't impacted. You know, like all the other facts of the case, they were drunk. Who right. knows? Maybe it's just a chain reaction that slight, maybe it's, maybe it's more than one thing, you know, maybe the Soviet weapons test causes a little bit of snow to slide down. Maybe that's what causes the problem with the portable stove. And then Lemino's theory, you know, is, is then in the rest of it. It's just Lemino's idea. Right. I mean, everything kind of plays out the same way. Yeah. Obviously the, they all made their way down the slope in an orderly fashion. There's a blizzard happening, a snowstorm. You can't fucking see shit. You can't communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, so some of them are panicking probably. They're drunk. They're they're leaving without their clothes because something happens that they need to leave the tent, whether it's the stove or it's the snow. Um, and they just, they make their way down there and they try to start a fire. And it, it is interesting though that Another reason why people think that maybe something nefarious went down here is that since these people were such expert hikers, why would they set up camp on the slope rather than in the forest where it's safe, safer, you're, you're protected from a little, you're, you're better protected from avalanches or disasters in a forest. Obviously, you have the tree line to kind of block you. One reason they think is that they got lost. They just got lost. I mean, just kind of happens. They they just they veered they off. They didn't their, know where they were because they of the veered storm. off. Their, the the weather ended up being a lot worse than they anticipated. Right. Um. They veered off course a little bit. They ended up on the slope of this mountain instead of because they were trying to go through like a pass and then climb the mountain, but they ended up on the slope of it, and then they were like, "Well, we better set up camp and just course correct in the morning when this." storm dies down yeah that's the thing is you get to that point where you just if you have a place where you could set up a camp maybe you just have to stop and right. set up a camp even if it's not ideal fuck can you imagine like just running through the fucking forest in the dark freezing cold and it's just like ah uh, it's 
that's I, this is, that's why this is just so sad and tragic. Yeah. Three of them fell down the ravine. Yeah. It's just like, you know. And then people thought that someone removed there's all this weird stuff like an uncompelling natural force is how they described mm-hmm. it. And I just kind of take that as like weird Russian <laughs> You know yeah, how they say weird odd, stuff like that? <laughs> a force they couldn't overcome? Is that yes. what it... Uh, it like was a, a force they could not overcome. Like, it's very... That's... Uncompelling natural force. I mean, it's cryptic. Yes. That's like saying, okay, it was a natural thing. Right. But we're not going to say what. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't really know. Right. Uh, I mean, the eyes being gouged out and the missing tongue and like... All this shit is so gross. Um, I mean, there's but there's scientific explanations for almost everything. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, what about the eyes getting gouged out? What's the explanation for we that? We kind of said it in the script, but for listeners who are still confused and Andy who is still confused. Um... <laughs> I mean, I get the tongues you and know, the mummification, it, the gray hair, the orange skin. If you're just basically a big, dumb, dumb idiot right? doesn't understand – Petrifaction and body mummification and body decomposition. I mean, come on. It's first grade. It's the gouging that gets me. <laughs> they weren't um Is this like go So ahead. what happened is the these were the results. It happened post mortem. Yeah. You were already dead. Your eyes and your tongue are soft tissue. Yeah. Obviously. And animals very well could have came by and you know, picked Plucked out your out. eyes. <laughs> There's no evidence of animals. Right. So what they think happened was they were down in the ravine, frozen under all this snow. Mm -hmm. The researchers or rescuers didn't find them until May. So they're down there for a month in February, right? And then they don't find them till May. That's like what? Could be two two months. It's like two months. Yeah. So the snow's starting to melt a little bit. Um, There's a stream running and the stream just washed it away. Hmm. That's it. So it's boring. Hmm. It's a boring answer. The soft tissue gets washed away because how one of them died was face down in the ravine. So like that's why her tongue and eyes are missing and her parts of her lips and nose. The soft tissue just washes away. Hmm. Yeah. It's creepy. So like life. (laughs) So like life. I will be washed away into a small stream. Just remember that everybody. Out into the river. To join the giant floating trash island out in the Pacific. <laughs> my true home, oh, trash island in dream. the Pacific. My dream to die amongst my people. I'm trash. the king of trash island. <laughs> Has anyone claimed that trash island yet? Mm-mm, it's up for grabs. Uh, it's good real estate. Yeah. It's free real estate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, California is going to sink into the ocean and those people are going to need somewhere to live. Trash island. Trash King's got some spare <laughs> lots for sale. You can come, but for a price. A pretty penny. <laughs> um, what else is there to, to, to debunk and talk about here, Andy? Uh, do we want to talk more about the stove? Sure. We haven't really delved into Lemino's theory. It's a really interesting theory. You can watch and we'll obviously link to his video. Um, but it makes sense, right? Like, why would they exit the tent? He, he, he theorizes that there had to be something within the tent that was dangerous enough 
for them to leave the tent. Because why would you leave a tent in the middle of a and, snowstorm? And to cut the tent open to right, get out. Right, right. Not just exit Not in an orderly fashion. like leaving. It's, they cut it open. So it has to be either smoke or snakes. Yeah. Those are the only two reasonable explanations. Yes. Yeah. There's... I mean, a snake? Come on. The two S's have cut and opened a tent from the inside. <laughs> Smoking snakes. Smoking snakes. The finest gambler in the Twin Cities. Smoking snakes. <laughs> he does. He sounds like a cowboy gambler. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's very logical. It's compelling. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like they're changing. That's that's the whole mystery is why did they leave the tent? Why would you leave it? it whether it's avalanche or catabatic winds or infrasounds or a combination of all of them, um, why would they leave a tent? Yeah, we're either saying that, I mean, in a lot of those circumstances, it's that they, it's a mental thing. Right. That... They were so gripped with panic because of whatever was happening, whether it was the infrasounds or whether it was the avalanche or or perceived avalanche, right? Or the catabatic winds, like it's it's inducing a panic in them, and then they're scrambling to get out of the tent, even though they're pretty experienced. So, yeah, I mean, but you gotta also remember these are college kids; they're drunk. They right. were drinking. They were. You know, and obviously drinking that high-level vodka. High level. <laughs> high level. <laughs> It'll help you transcend, baby. <laughs> this is this is fucking like, this is Russian northern mountains vodka. Right. This shit is warming you up. This is the moonshine of the USSR. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that probably plays a factor, too, in the disarray once they get out of the tent and who knows, maybe that could, was a contributing yeah, factor. It starts to, filling with smoke and, um, yeah, they could have just unzipped it probably. So I don't know. I mean, they found blood in a lot of the stomachs. Like there was blood in some of the stomachs of some of the corpses. And that is, um, very similar to what you find with smoke inhalation. Mm. Uh, you'll find blood and blood and, you know, they find like red slimy masses in their stomachs, which means blood mixed with other stuff, which makes sense because, you know, they, um, they died from a lot of internal injuries as well. Right. So, yeah, I think it makes the most sense. I mean, why, yeah, why would you, something went wrong with that stove? It's a, it's a shitty, it's like, it's, you know, it's 1959 in Russia. This is not modern day. They didn't have some fancy thing with like a shut off. Right, valve. This is a fucking stove that you light with, where, with wood, where, where the to the tent fabric got within like an inch of it, and it shuts down automatically. And yes, you turn it on for fifteen minutes or something. <laughs> you know, some other theories that we didn't really discuss were because there's no reason really even bring them up, but people thought that maybe they got tacked by the indigenous Mansi people who live in oh, the area, right. yeah. but. There's no signs of struggle That's whatsoever. There's no evidence for it. Yeah. So there's literally, you know, there's nothing. I, I, I think it's one of those things that people throw out there when they first hear about it without having any evidence. And then it just ends up sticking a little bit. Not sticking, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Some people gravitate toward it, even though it's not, there's no, there's no reason to. I think that's kind of it, Andy. There's nothing much else to say on the subject. Unless you have another piece that you want to bring up. I've been doing some research. You have? 
No, oh. I that was a joke. You've been there. I went. <laughs> I went earlier today. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when I said I was going to the bathroom? Right. I went to the Dead Love Pass. I went to the Death Mountain. Uh, but I I got distracted and went to my favorite ride at Disneyland, Death Mountain. <laughs> it's not very kid friendly, but no, but kind of weird that Disney added that. It's quite a drop off. <laughs> Have you ever been to, have you ever been to Disney World? Or Disney, Disney World? World, not Disneyland. Oh, do you like roller coasters? Yeah, I like roller coasters a lot. Really? You didn't know that? I don't think I knew that about you. Yeah, I like them a lot. Oh, wow. I was, I didn't go on them until high school. I was like pretty short. No. Oh. <laughs> I was like afraid of them. Oh. <laughs> I was like not into them. Oh. And then I went to Six Flags Great America and I went on Raging Bull, which is really fun. And now I like them. Wow. But Disney has one called um, Great Expe- Great Expeditions, Great Expectations. <laughs> Great Expectations. <laughs> Based on that Dickens that, novel? That novel, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's... Uh, Everyone loves the Dickensian rides at Disneyland. Disney World. <laughs> yeah. the uh, It's an orphan world after all and <laughs> all that great shit. Anyway, this ride is the best of rides. It's the worst of rides, let me tell you. <laughs> I forget what it's called, but there's a Yeti in it. Oh. Yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, you yeah, go I up, think I've been on that. And then you go through a tunnel. Yeah. And then there's a Yeti, and it sends you backwards. Right. So you've been to Disney World recently. Oh, no. Not since high school. Okay, then you probably haven't gone on it. Oh, okay. Maybe, Maybe you're I'm a liar. something else. Yeah, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're thinking of Thunder Mountain or Thunder... Yeah. Thunder Road. Yeah, the one with... <laughs> Dig me home. <laughs> Is that that song? Yep. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, are you? No, the one with the train. You're thinking of the one with the train, right? Thunder Bay. I don't know. Mm. I'm not as much of a Disney head as you. Sorry. Uh, well, Andy, let's give our final verdicts then on it. All right. Let's uh, let's convene our jury and uh, let's hand out a verdict. Let's Let's... Fucking let's let's summit this mountain. So here's my verdict. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say that. Okay, let's let's take this as a as a as a variety of things. Sure. I'm gonna start um, with the least plausible and move to the most plausible. Okay. Um, UFOs. Yeah. Aliens. Uh huh. I'm putting that. No chance. No chance, sucker. That's as that's colder than the Siberian tundra. Whoa. That's how that's how much I feel about that. The Yeti? The tiniest of chances that the Yeti Wow. Was so the Yeti's higher than aliens? But just barely. Wow. The aliens Things are looking up for Yeti. The aliens got an F. The Yeti gets an F plus. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's on the Yeti won't be happy to hear that. On the one to ten scale of plausibility most of our listeners are yetis <laughs> yeah get a lot of downloads from yeti land <laughs> you got a big yeti population <laughs> he's got bose wireless speakers in his nest yeti persisted oh god so the next thing i'm going to address is uh and the, please get dressed <laughs> the next thing i'm going to address is myself the Mansi tribe, I'm going to put that a shade more plausible 
than the Yeti. Okay. It's a D minus. Okay. And we're still in the realm of not plausible here. We're still in the realm of there is no physical evidence. But I'm going to say that if it. if it turned out that one of these things were true, it'd be like my level of surprise would be lessened. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, so what's next? Avalanche? Um, you avalanche. can go avalanche or military. Whichever I'm going to say avalanche is next. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not plausible, but it's not like no chance. Right. That's uh, what you got. It just doesn't seem to add up to me. Right. Um, so the next thing is, is military. And I'm going to say this, I'm judging this based on it being only military related. What that, do you mean? That it, the, the sole cause of the whole incident was military related. Oh, okay. I got you. I'm going to say that it's medium plausibility. Medium. Yeah. Medium rare. Oh, okay. Uh, great for a stake, not great for a conspiracy. <laughs> um, as far as the, um, I guess the, the only thing that's left is the, uh, the stove theory, right? Um, am I missing one? I mean, there's the catabatic winds. Oh, catabatic winds, infrasounds. Uh, I'm going to lump that all in. Yeah together sure uh because it's basically wind related stuff yes i'm gonna actually put that slightly below the uh military i'm gonna go medium rare minus for okay um and then uh well done well uh, i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this is this is the standardized andy hart steak Stake scale on plausibility. Right. And this is a standardized, validated test scoring system. First time listeners, uh, you might be a little confused, but long time listeners will know this is the scale we use every week (laughs) in our verdicts. Um, So I'm going to go with the stove stove theory next, and that's going to get a medium well from me. I like it. I think it's uh, very compelling. Okay. Here's what's well done for me. Top of the plausibility. A combination. Whoa. So you're doing surf and turf. I'm doing surf and turf, baby. We got a well done filet and a completely raw lobster tail. (laughs) Just the way I like it. Top of the plausibility. Baby. (laughs) Give me that steak fucking like shoe leather and give me that. I want that lobster tail just sloshing around. I want the lobster tail. I want the lobster to be alive when it comes to the table. (laughs) I want... And I want to choke it to death with I the want, shoe leather. I basically want a hockey puck. <laughs> a hockey puck and a live lobster. <laughs> Top of the plausibility, a combination. You know what I like? What do you like? I like, oh, the military testing caused the snowbed to shift a bit. That caused the stove to malfunction. That caused the tent to fill with smoke. In the drunkenness, uh, the, the hikers fled from the tent, uh... They got their wits about them enough to uh, orderly move down the slope into the forest where all these horrible things befell them. And I'm giving that a pretty dang plausible. Pretty dang plausible. Wow. All right, Andy. Okay, let me... I'm going to I'm gonna fucking stake my claim on this mountain. I'm going to put my little fucking tent up. Stake? And I'm not using the Andy Hart steak scale. Okay. <laughs> that's yours. That's proprietary. Please don't use it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't afford it. Um, I'm just going to go. I'm like, I'm case closed. That's another case closed for me. 
Wow. That's right. There's only been, blah, blah, blah. there's only ever been one other case of case closed yeah. so far. Yeah. From my verdicts. And I'm going case closed. I think you're right. I think it was malfunction with the stove. I think it was something happened. I'm going with Lamino's theory. I think that's what happened. Wow. Okay. Malfunction with the stove, smoke. Um, the only thing I would like to see is some evidence of smoke um, debris. Like, or smoke residue. You know what I'm saying? Right. There was burnt clothing. Like, there was photographs of them wearing burnt clothing. So, obviously, something, like, before they obviously died. Otherwise, how could they take photos? Uh, But I think that they... um, yeah, I think that they 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 did they they fucked up with the stove before like right. something happened. They they burnt one of their jackets and you think this was just a faulty stove or it was they like weren't a, good at using it. I think it was according to the Lamino YouTuber was uh like homemade. Oh, right, right. It was like a it was a makeshift portable stove. Right. Um which I don't know how the fuck you trek and hike with that thing, but anyway, that's the real theory. That's a real conspiracy. <laughs> I'm going case closed. I think that's what happened. I don't think any nefarious deeds went down. I think this is just a tragic story that sucks to read about because it's sad. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's nothing. I got nothing else. I am case closed on it. There's no theory here. There's no conspiracy here. Wow. Sorry, Yetis. You heard it here first, folks. Arthur Stone, case closed. That's right. Bum, bum. Bum 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 bum. <laughs> Maybe they all got eaten by a dick wolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those Russian dick wolves! Russian dick wolves. Oh, they are bad. Um, so that was our review of the incident at Dietlov Pass. Uh, if you, the listeners, have any theories, what do you think? Boy, we we boy would boy would boy would we would we boy would we would love to hear them. Not be happier to hear about them. <laughs> we want to hear about them so bad. Um, use the hashtag Diet Love Pass and Go. <laughs> and tweeted us if you can figure that hashtag out. Use it. Diet Love Pass and collect two hundred dollars. Also works. Hashtag Dietlove Pass and collect $200. Um, just mash Dietlove into any Monopoly reference you want. <laughs> and tweeted us at Mr. Bunker Pod and let us know what you think about this incident. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Um, are you a Yeti? Are you mad? If you're a Yeti, we especially want to hear from yes. you. Yes. Please. Or an alien. Yeti. Yes. Either one. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, Andy. Do you have any other thoughts or things that you want to bring up regarding Diet Love Pass? I just want to say that uh, this is a good reminder for everybody that when you're out uh, in the outdoors, just remember to be safe. Yes. Uh, Respect Mother Nature. This is a tragic situation no matter what happened. And always remember that Mother Nature has awesome power. And be prepared. It really does make you feel, I mean, even as a, like, you know, Mother Nature's still queen. Queen Bay. We, we haven't won that war yet. No. no. We're close. Almost. 
We almost have the earth subdued. <laughs> We're wrestling that earth. Um, no, that's a good point, Andy. And um, this is a very tragic situation and um, sucks. Sucks for the families and the dude who survived, the friend who survived. Yeah. What a... Uh, to always live wondering what happened to your friends. Yeah, what a terrible thing to have to live with. Terrible. Um, it's terrible. Charles Barkley. Sir Charles is here? Who are you going for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Shaq, you're a terrible knucklehead. <laughs> They're my favorites. Yeah. It shows. All right, folks. Well, it's about time we wrap it up here. We got to be hitting the old dusty trail. That's right. Uh, for this celebration episode of uh, Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Arthur Stone, for the titular Mr. Bunker. And for your co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Arthur saying I don't remember my outro saying that was the whole enchilada. Wash it down with a Green River soda. Yummy. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.